last week, we started a brand new series here at the house called, called, Chosen, Anointed, and More. And you said, Pastor, why, why, did you, why did you name a sermon called Chosen, Anointed, and More? Because here's the truth. The, the whole purpose of this series is to help you and I walk in the fullness of the identity we have in Christ. The fullness of the identity, not the identity that social media tells us we have to have, not the identity that anything else says we have to have, but the identity that we have in Christ. In a world that is desperately searching to belong, to be valid in the midst of intense social climate, and to be relevant, I have watched as believers have laid down their word and their biblical godly convictions in order to appease the masses. Y'all saw how quiet it got when I said that? Because y'all still trying to catch up with what I just said. And I'm going to paraphrase and break it down for you. I have watched how, as believers, have laid down their Bibles and their godly wisdom to appease the masses because they're afraid somebody might get mad at them for standing up on the Word of God and not standing up on for social issues. Let me say this to you. I believe that there is social injustice in the earth, and I believe that God has called us to stand against social injustice. But God has not called us to hurt each other. God has not called us to defame me, to defame each other. God has not called us to tear down each other, but to build each other up. And I have watched as godly people have set down the word and the convictions of this word in order to just appease the masses. I will never be a mass appeaser. I will be a God pleaser. And so I'm telling you, this is, not a, this is not a color thing. This is not a racial thing. This is, no, this is a godly thing. I'm going to be identified by the God that I serve, not the color of my skin. Do you understand what I'm telling you? And if, I, if I'm identified by the God that I serve, then I will demonstrate my love to everyone, not just of color, but every creed, every nationality, anyone that's going through a hardship, anyone that's in sin or saved. I will demonstrate that love to them, and I will show them the heart of God. I know I'm, I know I'm digging holes right now, but that's all right. Do you know this morning that you were not created to appease the masses, but to lead them? That you were not called to be the status quo or to follow the masses. You were not called to appease the angry mobs that are acting out in violence. You were not called to agree with, with what is in contradiction to the word of God. The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9-10, through 10, it says, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Just stop right there. If you would just walk in that, Jack, you would find out that nothing else matters. Can I say this again? You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may do what? Complain. That you may bicker. That you may fight. That you may whine. That you may crawl in a hole and die. No. No. He says, you are all of these things that you might proclaim the praises of him. Who? God. Who did what? Called you out of what? Aren't you glad he called you out of darkness? He says that you, I did all of the, I chose you that you might step up because I took the time to call you out of your junk. Call you out of that pain. Call you, can I just say this for two seconds? Half the time, and it's not even in my notes, half the time that we deal with our struggles is because we won't answer the call to leave the struggle. He says it in the word. I've called you out of darkness. The darkness is your problems. I've called you into what? Whose? Not yours. 
He said, I called you out of your struggles into my marvelous light. That means your light can't even keep up with mine. Here's the problem. We spend both of our lives trying to put lights on us rather than walking in his marvelous light. We spend most of our time going, look, I'm okay. Look, look, I'm better. I'm in the light. And God says, no, you haven't even entered my light yet because when you've entered my light, no one can behold what's upon you. You are completely changed. He said, I've called you out of darkness into his marvelous life, who once were not a people are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Now, Mr. Video Man, I'm going to be honest with you back. I know you're kind of freaking out because things are a little weird back there. I didn't put any of my scriptures in this morning. So don't panic. Because I just realized I screwed up. It's time for our identity to be in Christ and not everything else. Okay, I'm going to say this, and this is going to offend. This might even hurt a little bit. Okay, you ready? Ready? Everybody's buckling up. They're like, oh, he's going to go there. Yeah, I'm, you know me. I'm going to go there. Be careful that the groups you claim to be affiliated do not outweigh the God that you say you serve. Just hear me for a second. There is nothing wrong with standing for social injustice. There is nothing wrong with saying things need to change. I agree wholeheartedly. I believe it. I agree with it. I stand with those who are in pain. I stand with those who have gone through it. But dadgummit, why are we louder about the social issues than we are about the godlessness that exists in our country? We, we are louder about what, what we want to make our own problems than the fact that babies in the millions are aborted every year. And we say nothing. Well, that's not my place. Are you crazy? That is your place. That is your place to stand up and be counted. It is your place to make a statement. Because if we won't make a statement, then we have become nothing more than the people who looked at Jesus and said, have we not prophesied in your name? Have we not cast out demons in your name? Have we not prayed for the sick in your name? And he said, yes, you have. But depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I do not know you. See, this is when it gets tight because everybody wants me as a preacher to stand on the side of what everybody's screaming for. But here's the problem. What has God been screaming for? What has God been yelling? Yes, he's been screaming, stop racism for a long time. And we've just been stupid. He has said social injustice needs to be fixed. Yes, but what about the pedophiles in the earth? Well, what about the people who beat up people at, at, at old folks' homes and kill them? We don't say nothing about that. Oh, that's sad. Oh, that's sad. And God says, time out. If you're a mouthpiece for me, then stand up and be counted. But make sure that what they identify you is as a child of the most high God, not a child of a moment that people are screaming about. Listen, the masses called for Barabbas and got Barabbas. Be careful that what you're screaming for is something that you really want. Make sure that it's accounted for so that you don't miss your moment. So that you can understand what God's purposed you for. It's time for our identity to be in Christ and not everything else. It's time to lay our agendas aside and pick up his. It is time for the world to know who we are as believers and walk in it. So let me say this to you as a point blank statement. I am not going to join the masses in any movement. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to get in my word and I'm going to get in the movement of the kingdom of God. And in the movement of the kingdom of God, black, yellow, white purple, 
polka dot it. It doesn't matter. We're all going to be in this thing together, and we're going to finish this race together, and I'm not going to succeed till you succeed, and I'm going to make sure you don't die in the midst of a struggle, and I'm going to stand up for you, and I pray you'll stand up for me, and I pray we'll link arms together, and we'll walk hand in hand, and we'll kumbaya together, and we'll finish this race together, and when we get to heaven, we won't look at each other where we go, ha ha, we did this thing together. This is where we've got to be. But we've got to be under the identity of God, not the identity of culture. Y'all know that culture changes, right? Culture changes. Consistently, it changes. It always changes. Be careful that you're not just a part of a fad. Because nothing that exists right now has eternity marked on it. Only the kingdom of God does. Make sure that you're doing it. I'm sorry, that was just way off my notes, but I just got that itch in me real quick. It's time for the world to know who we are as believers and walk in it. Last week, we talked about being called and how the calling of God is not your purpose. It's what pulls you out of your darkness and into relationship with him. I've heard this said for years. Pastor, what am I called to do? What am I called to do? You're called to have right relationship with God. That's the call. So when people say, I'm not walking in my calling, so that means you're not walking in relationship with God. That's what you're saying. You're telling me you have completely committed to not walking with God. And the only reason you say you don't know what you're called to is because you're not talking to God. Because if you were talking to God, you wouldn't ask me what your calling is because you would already answered the call. And you would be walking with him and you would be satisfied with where you were at that moment. But calling is not the purpose of God. It is not the go of God. It is the come to from God. God calls you out of darkness. I started reading this because I think the church has screwed this up for years. We go, well, I just want you to walk in your calling. Then pray the sinner's prayer with them and get them in right relationship with God. Don't tell me you want me to walk in my calling. Tell me you want me to have a better relationship with God. I need you to answer the call. God's been calling. I can't answer the call for you. Pick up the phone. And pick it up and answer it and give him your name. Yes, this is me. Don't try to be somebody you're not. Do you understand that God knows who he called when he called? He knows where you're at. He knows what you're dealing with. He's not not surprised. Just answer the call. Well, my life's not perfect. I don't want to answer the call. Answer the call. He's trying to get you out of your brokenness into your promise. So the calling of God really is defined as the relationship with God. I'm walking in my calling. You want to know why? Because when I got up this morning and I got out of bed and I went to the bathroom. Can I get amen from somebody? And then I went to the shower, and I got in the shower, and I was thinking about my day. I didn't go, well, God, I got to do this. Hey, God, good morning. I'm in my calling this morning. Hey, God, I can feel your presence this morning. God, I, I, I just want to be in relationship with you. Man, I, I feel good about where I'm at. I'm, in my, I'm called by God. God called me. You know how I know he called me? Because I woke up this morning. I got breath in my body this morning. I, ah, I woke up this morning. I, I feel good about where I'm at. I might not have everything be perfect. All the money might not be where I want it to be. All the kids might not be acting the way I want them to act. The, the church might not be all back together yet, but I'm still operating in my calling because the church is not my calling. The family is not my calling. God is my calling. And as long as I choose to walk in that space, I can live every day telling the world I'm called by God. Do you understand that God calls you every day? I, 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 you know, with, with Tiff, Tiff talks to her mom every day. Now, I didn't grow up that way. Maybe it's a dude thing. I don't know. I don't know if it's a guy thing. Some of you guys, I don't know. Do y'all talk to your mamas like three or four times a day? Sometimes y'all do. I, I don't know. But my wife will talk to her mama like three or four times a day. I'm like, I don't get it. I just don't. I don't get it. Or sometimes somebody, my mom might call and I'll go, I'll call her later. She's like, you need to call your mom. 
And I'm like, babe, I'll get to it. But here's the truth of it. Answering the call gives me identity or identifies me to the relationship of the person's on the other side. Same thing with God. If you won't answer the call, how are you going to identify the relationship of the call on the other side? God's calling you. Every morning he calls you. He calls you by name. If, he, if you don't believe that, just realize that he woke you up. He woke you up. I, I, I just believe this. I believe that when I wake up, it's because God goes, hey, Brian, time to get up. And I go, oh, you called me. Because he's going to call me one of two places, to live here or to live there. So if he doesn't wake me up here, he's going to wake me up there. Got what I'm saying? And he's going to call my name. So I might as well answer it while I'm here. We've got to start answering the call of God in our lives to open up and be available in this moment. Last week, we dealt with being called. It's not a going out, but a coming to. We are called by God out of what? Out of darkness into his marvelous light. I said this last week, and it was just kind of a sidebar thing. I said the only reason we, won't, we haven't stepped out of the darkness because we haven't realized that his light is marvelous. We just want to be spotlighted. His marvelous light means it's a consuming light, all-consuming fire. This morning, I want to step into the next part of this, though. Once we've answered the call of God, I need us to walk into the place called being chosen. Chosen. Well, Pastor, what do you mean? Well, I'm going to help you break it down this morning, but in order to do that, let me read a little bit of context of Scripture. Turn with me this morning to the book of Matthew, chapter 22. The book of Matthew, chapter 22, starting in verse 2. I'll be there this morning reading all the way through verse 14, and then I'll just let you know we're going to go back and break down this Scripture this morning because this will be the context of Scripture we sit in this morning. If you don't have a Bible, because it's probably not going to be up on the screen, can I get an amen from the video guy in the back? Amen. It might be. It's working. Well, look at look, 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 the Lord. Okay. Uh, Matthew chapter 22, starting in verse 2. Here it goes. It says, The kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who arranged a marriage for his son and sent out his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding, and they were not willing to come. Again, he sent out other servants, saying, Tell those who were invited, See, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen, fatted cattle, fatted cattle are killed, and all things are ready. Come to the wedding. But they made light of it and went their ways, one to his own farm, another to his business. The rest seized his servants, treated them spitefully, and killed them. Jesus, that's New Testament too. But when the king heard about it, he was furious. So he sent out his armies, destroyed those murderers, and burned up their city. Help us, Jesus. Then he said to his servants, the wedding is ready, but those who were invited were not worthy. Therefore, go into the highways, and as many as you find, invite to the wedding. So those servants went out into the highways and gathered together all whom they found, both bad and good. And the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to see the guests, he saw a man there who did not have on a wedding garment. So he said to him, friend, how did you come in here without a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then the king said to the servant, bind him hand and foot, take him away and cast him into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. In verse 14, if you underline anything in your Bible today, underline this. For many are called, but few are chosen. Now, as I was reading this and studying this week, now you understand, how many many of y'all have ever read the scripture before? You read it. I, I remember I used to get to the end and go, God, he really dealt with that one dude really bad. Why was he so tough on it? And then I kind of dismissed the scripture as I was, I was growing up because I was like, that just was a bad story. I just, I, but, but it's a parable. It's a story that Jesus tells that represents the wedding feast of the bridegroom that we've ignored 
This is actually God talking. That's the king. And you go, but, but no, he's supposed to be a grace-giving a grace and loving God. But he is. But, but I need to help you understand this part because that statement when I started reading this of many are called but few are chosen leaped out to me even stronger once I understood the contextual space of what God was really trying to say through this part of Scripture. But before you get locked in to this statement and translated that God only chooses a few, I want to make this statement to you. It is a choice to be chosen. Got what I'm saying? It is a choice. Do not walk around and go, I'm chosen. I'm cho Don't do it if you're not moving. Because it is a choice to be chosen. God has called you into relationship with him. You are identified as called when you are walking in that relationship. It is in that relationship that you discover that in your calling, he has chosen you to do great things for the kingdom of God. Not great things for you, great things for the kingdom. It's like this. If you get into pastoring and you think that pastoring is going to, pay, is going to make you all the money, you should get out of pastoring. Because you're doing it for the wrong reasons. You're doing it so you can get rich rather than you can do it so that you understand and walk in the calling and the chosen perspective of your existence. Let me help you with something. It's kind of hard sometimes when you start to think about the fact that when I die, I'm doubly judged for what I do. So you have to understand, it's a choice for me. I could have rejected God choosing me. I could have said no. Here's the crazy part. God didn't choose a kid who came out of seminary. God didn't choose a kid who grew up theologically perfect. God didn't choose a kid who cut his teeth on, on the pews and, and grew up preaching at six years old. God chose a dude who got locked up too many times, screwed up too many times, messed up too many times, and still had favor on my life to come to this place. So this is this, is this whole space of, well, they're chosen, I'm not. Don't do that. Because God uses the most, um, the most unlikely people to do the greatest things for the kingdom of God. He has chosen you, but you've got to decide if you're going to accept that call. I've called you into relationship, and then I've spoken over you that I've chosen you. Will you accept? Most of the time we say yes, but we only say yes at a portion. We do not say yes to the fullness of it. And God says, I need you to understand that being chosen is a choice. It's not a hand-select few. Let me say this. There is no such thing as the frozen chosen. Some of y'all will know exactly what I'm talking about when I say that, if you don't ask me after service. <laughs> Predestination does not mean that God has already made up his mind of who can and who can't. Predestination is nothing more than this. When I formed you, I had a plan for you. I wrote out that plan. I had a design, no different than a father and a mother do for their children. I have a plan for them in my heart. This is what I see. But I can't make those decisions for them. They have to make those decisions for themselves. They have to choose. I cannot force my children to love, my, love God. I have to allow them to grab a hold of his calling and grab a hold of the chosen part. And I will stand with them through the tough times and I will walk through it with them. I might not get it. I might kick and scream. I might go, no, don't do it that way. But at the end of the day, it's still their choice. The one thing God gave us that he didn't give the angels, free will. And for those who tried to exert free will in heaven were cast out. But he gave us the choice. Why did Jesus say, choose you this day whom you'll serve? 
Why does the word say that? Why does the Bible declare to us, choose you this day? Because all of this is a choice. Your godliness is a choice. Your walk with God is a choice. Your, walk, your, your ability to do great things for the kingdom of God is a choice. It is a choice. When you're in the store and God says, pray for somebody and you don't do it, it's a choice. When God says, lift up your hands and worship and you don't, it's a choice. When God says, give your heart to him, all of it, your pains, your ups, your downs, your lefts, your rights, it is a choice. All of this is a choice. God is not forcing himself on you. He's a gentleman. He says, hey, I'm going to call you. We're going to talk a lot. Y'all ever did that? Any of y'all, when y'all were dating, been on the phone for like stupid amounts of time? And really question what the heck you were doing? And they make stupid statements like this. You asleep yet? No, are you? Well, dummy, if you had to answer no, are you? No, I'm probably not asleep either. Well, I don't want to get off. I'll wait till you go to sleep. What kind of foolishness is that? I'm going to stay on the phone until I hear you go. Oh, I did my part. Hey, you crazy. But here's the same thing with God. The calling of God is relational. It is intimacy. It is him spending time with you. It's him getting to know you, finding out where you are. I remember when Tiff and I used to talk for a long time on the phone because she lived in Metairie and I lived in Slidell. We talked about crazy stuff like, hey, you like football? Because if you don't like football, this might not work. Pastor, are you serious? You doggone right I am. I did ask her, are you a vegan? She said to me, no, but now my wife's gone plant-based, and I'm in trouble. Because now I'm married to it, and I can't walk away. Don't judge me when I eat my cow. I like my cow, although I don't eat much of it anymore. When I want it, don't, don't. Don't. That cow knew what its existence was. It was called to be on my plate. It was chosen by the meat man to be on my plate. It is operating in the function of God right now. This is holy food. Maybe that's the problem in those other countries where they watch the fatted calf walk by while they're dying emaciated. They just haven't realized that God called the cow and chose them. He's like, duh, I put it right behind you. You ever seen those commercials? Like the kid's dying, right? And it's like this huge cow is like just chilling like, ha ha, look at me. They ain't going to kill me. I'm like, I gotta turn around and shot that cow. Bow, eat. Amen. Okay, sidebar. I've got a lot of those today. Amen. Before you get locked up in this space of, well, God's only picked, well, God's picked pastor, and God's picked pastor Tiff, and God's picked the staff, but, you know, he really hasn't picked me. Yes, he has. You just haven't decided to choose to be chosen. Do you understand what comes when you finally say, you know what, I'm chosen by God? Responsibility. See, everybody wants to go, well, if I say I'm chosen by God, then then I'm going to receive the benefits. Mm Mm-mm. Because all hell breaks loose when you say I'm chosen. It just seems like it seems like all hell breaks loose. When you say I'm chosen, it's like it's like no, and he comes for you in a full force. But here's the truth of it: Do you understand that when you say you're chosen, you are backed by heaven's army. <laughs> so when I say I'm chosen, the Bible says the enemy might come in like a flood, but God says God says I'll raise up a standard. I'll brace you. I got you. You're walking in with me. You're, you're, you're not walking in by yourself. You're walking in with not only a host of heaven's armies, but I'm walking before you as your king. Do you understand that when I walk in the room, countries bow down? Walk in where you are. Be who I've called and who I've chosen you to be. Being chosen is a choice. It means he's made his plan, but the choice is yours. I love what John 15, 16 says. This. It says, you did not choose me. Mm. You did not choose me. This is...
appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. Watch this, watch. Can I just bear with me for a second on this? If you're not bearing fruit, you haven't accepted the choice or you haven't made the decision to walk in being chosen. He said, I've chosen you. And once I've chosen you and you've accepted that choice to be chosen, I need you to understand that you are now going to go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain. It gets good right here. I get pumped when I start reading this. That whatever you ask the Father in my name, what? He may give you. Now, understand he says may. Let me put that word in there real quick because I think we've screwed this up. Because we think that we ask God for something, he's just going to give it to us. Nope. He doesn't operate like that. He says, I'll give it to you if it's in my will, but I won't give it to you if it's not. If it benefits me, I'll give it to you. But if it only benefits you, it's not for me. So what, I, what my father will give you is what he may. He may. In other words, he has a choice what to benefit you. So if you go into a Bentley dealership and you're praying for that Bentley and you can't handle your Honda, God's probably not going to give you the Bentley because all it's going to do is glorify you, but it won't glorify God. First of all, if you need a $400,000 $400, car, something wrong with you anyway. Can't get an amen from somebody because cars break. Well, pastor, they're investments. Okay, that's why depreciation loses a ton once you drive it off the lot. Okay, so what I'm saying is that at the end of the day, we pray for some dumb things. Can I get an amen from somebody? It's kind of like this. God, I just want a close parking spot. Okay, you need to bind the spirit of laziness out of your soul. And just understand that maybe God gives you the further parking spot so you can walk a little bit. Amen? Or maybe he wants you to walk a little bit because he wants to talk to you before you walk in the store because what you're trying to buy in the store, you have no business buying. And maybe he's trying to tell you, hey, listen, I need to talk to you before you walk in that store because you're about to spend, well, my money on your stuff. See, we go, I just want a close parking spot. I just want to drive through fast food. You ever gone to fast food and there was a really long line? Especially right now, can I get an amen from somebody? Don't go to Chick-fil-A. Just don't do it. That sucker wrapped around the building twice. They had to put two lanes in just to deal with everybody. Just, come on, like, and thank God it's moving a little bit faster now. But I mean, you know what I'm talking about? You're like, we, my kids will go, can I get Chick-fil-A? I'm like, nope. Like, but dad, I want Chick-fil-A. Not in that line, not today. I don't have patience for it. But we, but we do all these things because we want things the way we want them. And God says, no, sometimes I just need you to listen to me. Sometimes I just need you to have a relationship with me. Y'all ever done this? Go to the store to buy something and put a bunch of stuff in the cart because you got a shopping problem? Can't, can't some of y'all laughing because y'all know I'm talking to you. I mean, I'll just look over here because like, like the wall so nobody thinks I'm talking about. But, but you, you have those moments where you go in to buy something and, you, and you're like, oh, I need this. Like, don't go to Sam's. If you're a dude, don't go to Sam's. You're going to get yourself in trouble. Sam's is bad for guys. It just is like, man, I've always needed this cabinet that won't even fit in my house, but I need it because it's just really big and it's cool. And, and I, ooh, ooh, I need one. Can I get an amen from some of you guys in the room? Or don't go, don't go to Home Depot, Troy Bordelon. <laughs> Pastor Troy is an electrician, and every time we go to the store to get something for the church, the brother gets locked up at the electrical section of the church. And he literally turns on the tool, and this is what you hear from him. Ooh. Yeah, it's like, dude, breathe, man. Breathe. Call your wife. <laughs> Call her now. She'll talk you off. I'll talk you off the ledge. All right. But but we, we have this thing to, to to just to get what we want when we want it because we think we have to have it. And God says, hold on, time out. I need you to understand that I'm trying to speak to you. I'm trying to talk to you. You ever put stuff in the cart and you get to the register and you're like, you don't need that. You don't need that. And so you're that you're that guy like I am, and you start stacking it on the Right there, because you ain't going back to put it back. Come on, work with me. Y'all, y'all look like, that's so wrong, Pastor. You know you do it. You just start stacking your stuff like that's what they get paid for. Psh, 
They got a whole department that picks up stuff and restocks it. Amen. Okay. Sidebars all over the place this morning. God says in John 15, 16, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain. And whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. I think so many times we've mistranslated this to think that just because we ask, he'll give it. No, you can ask in his name, but it's up to him of what he bestows upon you, what he blesses you with. If you are chosen by God, it is because you've decided to accept the fact that he has chosen you and then walk in it. So this morning, I need us to take this next step. After we understand that we are called by God, that means relationship. Come on. Amen. If you're not in relationship, don't be running around telling everybody you're called. You're lying to folk. Don't do that. Get your relationship right. Then go tell everybody you've been called by God. But understand that calling is for you to walk with him, not to walk and be seen, but that he might be seen in you. And then the next step is to accept the fact that he has chosen you and appointed you. But in order to do this, I need to break down these scriptures. So go back with me to Matthew chapter 22 and verse 2. We're going to break these pieces down. I got some really amazing revelation out of this. And I'm excited about this. So let me get back to verse 2. It says, The kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who arranged a marriage for his son and sent out his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding and they were not willing to come. I started looking at this part of scripture right here and I started realizing this is kind of like pre-Noah. Got it? God, has, God is in the earth. Adam and Eve have sinned, but the earth is still populated. God has a desire to have relationship with them. He's got, he's, he's got people who believe in God in the earth, but yet there are people who are still refusing to come. And the Bible says that the earth became wicked, that the people, of, the people in the earth became wicked. And so God said, okay, time out. What is going on? What happened? I get it. Adam and Eve fell, but why did all of them choose to walk away from me? And so he's inviting them to the wedding. He's inviting them to have a relationship. He said, you be my child, I'll be your God. If you read, even the Old Testament can be very tough sometimes to swallow because God was a, he, he was a hammer, bro. He's like, ba-boom. He's like, he calls bears out of woods to eat up small children. Like, like God was not playing back in the day. And I'm going to just be honest with you. I think God still doesn't play today. But we want to we put God off and we want to pull Jesus in, and we want to actually eliminate one of the sides of the Trinity, which blows my mind. But, but, but this God, he said, listen, this is how this works. I'm going to be your God. I'm going to be your king. I'm going to cover you. I'm going to be with you. Your families, 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 families will be blessed. But I need you to stay in relationship with me. That's what he said. That's all he said. I just need you to stay in this relationship with me. And when I ask you to do something, just be willing to do it. Don't fight with me. Don't argue with me. But understand that all of this is because I prepared a wedding for you and I. I've prepared a place for you and I. I've prepared a great moment for you and I. And the people started to decide in pride that they could do it better than God. Sound like the world we live in today? Okay. History always is destined to repeat itself. It goes on in verse 4. It says, again, he sent out other servants saying, tell those who are invited, see, I have prepared my dinner. My oxen, fatted cattle are killed and all things are ready. Come to the wedding. This is still God. God is saying, listen, I, okay, I get it. You, do, you want to run away? I'm going to give you another chance. To say that God in the Old Testament had no grace and mercy, you're crazy. Because he did. He put up with a lot of junk before he just said, that's enough. He did. He, we go, man, he was so tough. But it was kind of like that time, like, you know, you tell your kid to do something, and, they, and then you have to tell him again, and then you have to tell him again, and you have to tell him again. You kind of listen to that. If I tell you one more time. You know, some of the teenagers are laughing at me right now. If my son was in the room, he'd be laughing right now. Son, I, I, I'm going to tell you one more time. Y'all ever do that? I'm going to tell you one more time, and one more time is like 12 more times. Because you keep trying to operate in grace and mercy because you don't want to drop the hammer. Because you don't, you, 
you don't want to drop the foot. You don't, you know, ah, you don't want to lose it. So, so you keep trying an opportunity to give it to them, but yet they still keep revolting against it. They still keep choosing their own way, and then they end up walking themselves out of the covering of the blessing. It's kind of like this. You, you, you ask them 10 times, and, and then you go to the store. Hey, Dad, can I get this? Have you lost your ever-loving mind? Because I have no desire to pull my wallet out for you at all. But when they operate under the blessing, under the promise, under the ask, under the call, <laughs> then you have a greater desire to bestow blessings on them. It's kind of like this. My daughter and I, uh, Wednesdays, I clean house now. Amen. Can somebody say, Pastor's been domesticated. Amen. Um, I just know that a happy wife makes a happy life, and so I'm going to clean the house. Amen. And so, so my wife goes and does hair on Wednesdays, and I'm cleaning the house, and my son had gone off to... Uh, Pastor Rodney and Michaela's house to, to see their new little puppy and hang out with them. And so it was Hope and I in the house. And I lived to Hope and I said, okay, look, I need your help. I need your help doing the house today. She said, all right, Dad, I got you. Now, my cleaning method's a little bit old school. Um, I believe in pine saw. Anybody with me? Um, I grew up mopping floors with a wash rag on the floor. Can I get an amen? Uh, um, not the nasty-smelling mildewy mop, uh, especially the sponge one that y'all want to say is clean, but it's not. Praise the Lord. Um, uh, and, and so I, that's how I grew up, wiping baseboards. Can I get an amen from somebody? Like, this is how I grew up. And so I'm teaching my daughter how to clean. So she helps me clean the whole house, the whole house. Me and her, we killed the whole house. So afterwards, I went. She has a, we have a little app they get allowance on. And so I walked up to her, and I put some money in her account. And I just walked up and said, here you go. She wasn't expecting a blessing out of that. But she heard the call of her daddy. She walked in love with obedience. And she benefited from the blessings that I could bestow upon her. And this is what I said to her. I said, I can tell you I love you and how much I appreciate you or I can show you. How much does God want to do that? The Bible says if your earthly father desires to bestow blessings upon you, how much more does your heavenly father desire to bestow blessings upon you? Right. And so if that's the case, if my desire is to bless my daughter when she just answers, answers my call to clean house, what do you think his blessing, blessing will be upon you when you answer his calling to be his and for him to be yours? Walk with me for a second. This is going to get tough. So he says, he says, again, he sent out other servants saying, tell those who are invited, see, I've prepared my dear. God has given us everything that we need, and yet we still have a tendency to ignore his calling to walk in relationship with him so that we can walk in the fact that he has chosen us and appointed us to do something great. It goes on in verse 5, it says, but they made light of it. Hello, I'm going to kill it right here. Y'all going to get offended. You're going to get angry. I don't care. And if you're watching, I love you. But I need to say this. But they made light of it and went their ways, one to his own farm, another to his business, and the rest seized his servants, treated them spitefully, and killed them. Let me say this to you. As long as you choose everything else over God, and I'm going to go as far as to say even to come to church, because the Bible says to forsake not the gathering of brethren in one accord. Forsake not the gathering of us to come together and to strengthen, encourage, and edify one another. To grow in the things of God together. Why? So that we can be prepared to go out into the world. So that when the hurricane shows up tomorrow and everybody starts going, you go, what are you going to do? I serve a God that says that nothing, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. That doesn't mean I'm stupid and go play in a lake during the hurricane. But it says to me that I've got a God who's bigger than the storm. It strengthens us. It encourages us. But here's what we do today in today's culture. We make excuses like, I was tired. Could you imagine if God made that same explanation to you when you didn't get what you wanted? If God says, hey, but God, why didn't you show up? Well, you know, I missed my alarm clock this morning. 
I just, you know, I just didn't feel like getting up this morning. I was a little tired. You know, I was, I was saving the world last night, and I was dealing with people who were praying and seeking my face, and, you know, I just didn't have time to get to you this morning. So, you know, oops, my bad. But yet we'll do that to God. But my God, you walk into a turmoil or a struggle. Oh, God, help me, Jesus. What am I going? God, you got to show up. You got to show up right now. And God's going, come on, seriously. You didn't call on my name in the good times. Why are you just only showing up in the bad times? This is how we treat him. We've gotten to a place where we just kind of make light of him. We make light of the church. We make light of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. We, we make light of the Holy Spirit in general. We say, well, that, that was for days of old. Or God doesn't do miracles today. That was for the days of old. Man, God, the Bible says that God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He changes not. If he did miracles then, he'll do miracles today. You just got to decide whether you're going to be in the right spot to get the miracle. We make light of, of the kingdom of God. We make light. We, oh, okay, here it comes. We worship God with our mouths and then cuss with the same mouth. We, we make light of it. Am I getting deep enough yet? You want me to keep digging? Because I'm in a mood this morning. I'm just telling you right now. We, we just keep digging. We just keep causing problems. We, oh, God, I, I, Father, I worship in the same hands we lift up are the same hands that give middle fingers when people don't give us what we want. And we call ourselves godly. We go, well, uh, you know, God understands. You know, he knows my heart. Yeah, your heart is inherently wicked. Yes, he does. You're right. He sees it. We, we do this stuff, and we make light of the kingdom of God. We come to church, and we, we say, man, God, I just want to be in right relationship with God. God, I just want to serve you all the days of my life. And then you live in a way that God does not even think is holy, much less see is holy. And the world goes, hypocrite. There they go, hypocrite. There they go. They claim God. Come on, work with me for a second. The church is a defiled place today. It's a defiled place. Let me tell you why it's a defiled place. Because we've defiled it. Jesus walked into the temple, turned over the tables because they had turned the house into a den of thieves. That's what he said. He flipped over the tables. He said, because you've taken what was meant for God and you've turned it into fill your pockets. The church is defiled. We've done, not just preachers, the church has defiled it. Let me tell you why. How dare us, how dare us show up to church to worship the King of kings and Lord of lords, but yet sin against him before we get here? I'm not saying you can't come in with a broken spirit and ask God to forgive you. I'm saying how dare us live in sin and then fake the funk on a Sunday morning acting as if God still if we're still in right relationship with him. We have just made light of God. No wonder the church is in disarray. No wonder it's hard to keep people in the kingdom of God because we, we, we even preachers today, they live one way behind the pulpit and yet at home they act something completely different. Oh, love your children under the Lord, but they go home and beat their children. Love your wife. Do what God said to do. Treat your wife like a godly treasure, yet we treat them like, well, come on, work with me for a second. More preachers are divorced today than ever in history because they have chosen the, the ministry and the, 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 the spotlight over what God blessed them with. Let me say this to you as a sidebar. You ready for this? Get ready, buckle your seatbelt. I will always choose my wife over this church. Pastor. Huh, but that means me. You doggone right it means you. Because God gave me her. That is my number one ministry. This is secondary. 
She's going to hold me to that this afternoon. Y'all know that, right? <laughs> just want to set that up because I know what's coming. She's like, amen. Mm-hmm, I got you. He says they made light of it and went their ways, one to his own farm. In other words, one to get his own rewards. One to his own business. In other words, his workmanship was better than God's. And the rest seized their servants, treated them spitefully, and killed them. In other words, they all became prideful. Watch. This is the world we live in today. We have, excuse me, pushed away God and pulled in our own personal wants and called it God because it's what we serve rather than who we serve. Okay. Goes on to verse 7. It says, but when the king heard about it, he was furious. And he sent out his armies and destroyed those murders and burnt up their city. Now, when I'm reading this in context, I kind of get this spot in my head where this is all of this is pre-Noah till this moment. He gave them options. He gave them opportunities. He had a desire to be their God and for them to be his people. And then he finally said, you know what? I've had enough. And the Bible says that he chose Noah because Noah was in right relationship with the Lord. He chose Noah and his family. Watch this. You know, okay, this is going to mess you up. But no, God did not choose all of the rest of them. He chose Noah. And out of choosing Noah, his whole family was blessed. I get cold chills when I start thinking about that. That God protected Noah's entire family because Noah answered the call of God. When I start thinking about it, it's like, that means that if I just stay in the calling, that the blessings upon me are upon my children's 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 children. And, and, and even when he reestablishes them, he tells them that they'll be blessed and that they'll be blessed, and that they'll be blessed. Like, this is crazy stuff. Okay. It says, but when the king heard about it, he was furious, and he sent out his army. So in other words, God said the flood. Okay, so I start collating between the two. And then we get to verse 8. He says, then he said to his servants, the wedding is ready. Now, you understand that just because God sent the flood doesn't mean the wedding stopped. Because God is constantly operating in this function of the wedding feast. He is constantly operating in feasts. I get an amen from Paul back there. He's constantly, why? Because it's communion, it's relationship, it's understanding, and it's sending out. And then it's coming back in, and then it's going back out. This is the relationship that God has established with us. So just because he sent the flood to the earth and wiped everybody out of it, except for Noah and his family, does not mean that God stopped the feast. It means that the feast is still here, but he's going to redesign how this thing functions. And he says, there, he says, then he said to his servant, listen, Noah, your family, go out into the world, populate the world. The wedding feast is still ready. The wedding is still here. But those who were invited were not worthy. Okay, now I just need to stay here for a second because I need you to understand that we are not worthy. He is. I need you to get this in your spirit. You are not perfect. You are not great. He is. Something God told me years ago, I was writing a sermon. It says, he says, when we enter into heaven, he'll say, well done, thou good and faithful. Does he say anything about great? Does he say anything about perfect? Does he say anything about supernatural? He says good and faithful. The only one who gets the title of great in my existence is the God that I serve. He is great and greatly to be praised. That's the greatness in my life. God, his greatness in me is what gives me the ability to do what I do. It is not in my own ability, but it is my ability that I have now found and discovered in him because I have been called by him. I have answered the call to be chosen by him, and I am walking in it, and and I'm going to get into it next week, but that's when the anointing steps in. 
Okay, so I, I'm, I'm in my calling. I'm walking in relationship. Then God says, Brian, I've chosen you. Okay, God, see, because here's the fact. You can't hear that you're chosen until you walk in the calling. Because if you're not in relationship, you'll never know that he's chosen you. Come on, work with me for a second. This is so hard when you got masks on because I wish I could see your smiles. Amen. <laughs> we, we're at this place where we, we're, okay, I'm walking in my calling. I, I'm, God, you've chosen me. Okay, what have you chosen me for? God, you've, okay, God, you've chosen me to do this. I didn't tell you that. You stopped talking to me. I was talking to Chastity the other day. We were talking about, she, 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 went, she cleaned the bathrooms the other day, and she's like, man, I just, I like it because I just, the presence of God, like, it's crazy. And I said, you know, when, when I went into ministry and I wanted to become a pastor, I went to the pastor I was working for. I said, I want to be a minister. I want to preach. And he walks me to the janitor's closet and hands me a toilet brush and says, welcome to ministry. I said, that's not what I said. He said, I don't care what's what you said. That's where you're going to start. And this is what he told me. He said, if you can't clean people's poop, how are you going to deal with their poop? He said, if you can't humble yourself enough to deal with the lowly things, how are you going to deal with people that are in low places? And I went, got it. Because what he was really teaching me was humility. Humility. How to be humble in this existence. To get rid of the spirit of pride. To get rid of the spirit of that I'm perfect. That I am worthy. I Look, I am worthy. Really? I guarantee God could pull out the map of your existence and show you markers in your life. We're like, nope, 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 nope. Hold on, hold on. Nope, 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 nope. But I still chose you. Because I'm worthy. And when I become worthy in your existence then your pride slides away and you walk in humility, which demonstrates the fullness of my heart towards others. It is not about you getting a come up. It's about you going and getting people out. Then he said to his servants, the wedding is ready, but those who were invited were not worthy. I need you to get this. You are not worthy of his calling. You are not worthy to be chosen, but yet God in all of his love still called and chose you. Come on, just when I got that in my chest like the other day, and I've heard this a thousand one times, man, I wanted to run around the house. Because even in my worst moments, I still have to live in the understanding that he's called and chosen me. And he's called and chosen you. I am no better than you. I'm just in a different position than you. If everybody was Moses, there'd have been some crazy stuff going on. If everybody was an Aaron and Earth, there'd have been some crazy stuff going on because then they would have started fighting. Who's, who's more important? And who should hold up Moses' hands? And who, do, you know what I'm talking about? Like, it'd been crazy. Well, who's going to go with Moses up to the mountain and get the Ten Commandments? Well, I'm going to go because I'm better than you. Like, this is the kind of foolishness. This is what we deal with today. How close are you to the pastor? Because if you're close to the pastor, you must be close to God. And, and you're, you're bigger in the church if you're closer to the pastor. Shut up. You don't want to be that close to me. I'm just telling you, you don't. Because I'm not always this. Sometimes I struggle. Sometimes I go through stuff. Sometimes I got to fight my own monsters. Sometimes I, you don't want to deal with my junk. Deal with yours. I'll deal with mine, and we'll come together and do something really cool together. But, but this thing in the church, listen, I grew up in a church where the closer you were to the preacher, the more anointed you were. Where that stupid foolishness came from, I have no idea, because the pastor became God. We got rid of God. We started worshiping the preacher rather than worshiping the God that he was preaching about. Oh, look how great that man of God, that man of God, that man of God. Let me, let, me, let me say this to you real quick. The Bible only says you can be a man after God. The word of means with or parallel to equal with. If you ever become a man of God, 
then you have now tried to equal yourself to God. Be careful because they tried to do that with the Tower of Babel and they all failed. I am a man after God. In other words, God, wherever you lead, I'll follow. I might not always understand and I might want to argue with you sometimes. But God, I'll go where you send me and I'll do what you call me to do and I'll trust you in all things. I'm trying to teach my son this kind of in a parental space right now with him because I don't know if your kids do this, but when I tell my son to do something, it's not talk back. It's just like he feels like he has to explain why and where and how in that moment instead of just, yes, sir. And I'm like, you can always tell me where you are, but when you go into these diatribes of feeling like you have to, what you're telling me is, is I really don't care what you tell me. I'm going to tell you what I want to tell you. And the same kind of thing we do to God sometimes. God says, Brian, I need you to do this. But God, God, hold on, hold on. Okay, you want me? Okay, I know, I, I, look, I know that woman's in that cart at Walmart. And I know you've anointed me to pray for, the law, pray for the sick and see them recover. But God, God, come on, seriously. Like, can I just get my peanut butter and my jelly and go home? That's all I want. Can I just get my stuff and go home? Nope. I chose you. I put you in this Walmart on this aisle to be with that person. And you can't walk away. Oh, for real? Okay, God. Not realizing that what was going to happen was you're going to pray for that person and three other people are going to step into that prayer moment and all of a sudden, can you pray for me too? Or, or man, I really need to hear that. Man, thank you. Or, or you encourage someone else to now go into that Walmart and pray for others next time they come in because you operated in boldness rather than edit. Rather than being lame. Rather than being... Eh but walking in the fire of God and the boldness of God to let God use you. If being chosen is a choice, then it's going to require boldness out of you to step into it. And you're going to have to walk in the fact that you're not operating in the fact that you're worthy, but the one who operates in you is. And that when you operate under his command, God says, I'll be faithful because my word does not turn void. It goes on in verse 9, it says, Therefore go into the highways, and as many as you find, invite to the wedding. So those servants went out into the highways and gathered together all whom they found, both bad and good, and the wedding hall was filled with guests. The church is not filled of perfect people. It's filled of people who are seeking the perfect one. Whether they have obtained it or not, whether they got it all together or not, whether they understand it or not, please let me just say this to you. Do not come to church for looking for people like you. Come to church understanding that the church is full of people who don't look like you. The same way heaven's going to look like people who don't look like you. Stop trying to get, this is, this is the part that blows my mind. Well, I want to go to a church got people like me. You ain't going to find that church. Because the church is not built up of perfected people. It's filled of people who are pursuing the things of God and desiring God to do his greatest work in and through them. And understanding that this is a process where sometimes God has to break out a hammer and a chisel and knock some junk off of you. And it might hurt and you might bleed a little bit. And some people will understand it and some people will point at it and some people will walk away from it. But that's okay because I know what I'm here for. I'm not here for you. I'm here because God has only, not only called me, but he's chosen me to be here so that I might grow better in him. This whole personal space of the church where it's all about like, like well, if I'm, I'm not saying anybody does this here, but, but some churches I've been a part of. I've had somebody leave the church because I didn't smile at them one time. I'm sorry. My bad. I didn't even, honestly, I didn't even see you. I'm leaving the church. Why? He didn't smile at me. So why did you even come? Because if I needed to smile at you for you to stay, then you didn't come from God. You came to see my smile. Boy, you better pray I don't have a bad day ever. Because smile's not always what I'm going to give. And when I don't, don't kill me for it. Love me through it. 
hey, you know what? As much as I'm praying for you, pray for me. Can you see my face like this? And you might think something's wrong. Don't make an assumption. Ask. And if I tell you nothing and you still think something's wrong, you think I'm down, don't go to your prayer closet. Hey, Pastor, I'm going to lift up. I'm, I'm, God, I'm going to lift up Pastor today. God, I'm going to ask that you touch him today. Give him strength. Yeah, because I need those prayers too. It says this. It says they, he went out and got everybody, anybody that he could to fill the hall. Fill the hall. Do you understand that's God's whole motive? Yeah. Is to fill the wedding feast? It doesn't matter what you think. It doesn't matter what theological, theological doctrine you want to run with right now. What matters is that God's desire is to fill the wedding feast with as many people as possible, knowing that if they come in and experience him, they'll be changed in a moment. It says this, it said, but when the king came in to see the guests, he saw a man there who did not have on a wedding garment. Let me give you some illustration here real quick. Because I, some people might know this. I didn't. I'm going to be honest with you. I didn't know this until I really started studying this out. That when the king sent the people out, he didn't just send them out to gather the people. He sent them out with garments. There was specific clothing that you wore to the wedding. And God said that, said that the king sent them out with not only just invitations, but with garments. Watch. When you receive Christ, you take off the old and put on the new. Watch. You have now been clothed with the garment for the wedding feast. Watch. So they were handed a free gift. They didn't have to qualify for it. They didn't have to be perfect to receive it. God, the king sent out the servants with the garments so that they could come into the feast, which gives them representation, which gives them validation to be in the room. Now, the choice is whether to wear the garment or not. And he says that the king walks in and he looks around and he sees one person. But when the king came in to see the guest, he saw a man there who did not have on his wedding garment. This is not because he was not given one. This was not because the world was against him. This was because he made a choice that he wasn't going to conform to the king's mandates, to the king's assignments for the wedding feast. He was going to be his own person. And so he showed up into the wedding feast where blessings could have come upon him and he wasn't even prepared. He wasn't even valid to be in the room because he had not accepted the calling and the free gift of the garment to walk into that space. And then immediately the king was angry. I'm going to say this to you. Be careful that you don't keep showing up to God stripping off your garment. And then expecting God to be happy because you walked in and you refused to walk in with his garments on. He says to put on the garment of, for the spirit of, in other words, you, you will cover, you will deal with the things in your life if you will put on the garments that he's given you. And it will walk you right into the room where you can have the greatest feast with him you've ever had. But this now man is sitting in the room and he's made a choice. Goes on verse 12, he says, So he said to him, Friend, how did you come in here without a wedding garment? And he was speechless. And the king said to the servant, Bind him and bind him hand and foot and take him away and cast him into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. You're like, God, why are you so mean? Because he tried to operate in chosen without answering the call. <laughs> he wanted purpose before walking with God. I think a lot of times we do that. We want to walk in purpose because we want to be greater. 
but we haven't answered the call of walking with him. And it's walking with him that gives us the ability to answer the call, answer the being chosen, which then we will eventually walk into the anointing and then the more. Because then God will give you the anointing to do the things he's called you to do, he's purposed you to do. And he goes on, he says in verse 14, he says, for many are called, but few are chosen. Just leave that scripture right there. Many are called. I started reading this word many. I started looking it up, really trying to understand because it almost, almost leaves a perspective of like there's a selected number. Not everybody. The word many, if you dig it back far enough, it actually means I have called everybody. I have called everybody. But only a few have elected to walk in the title of chosen. I have given my life for everybody, but only a few will take it beyond just the relationship. Only a few will be more than just church attenders. Only a few, and when you talk about few, we're talking millions, right? Because there's millions in the world. So the numbers, you can't get lost in the number space of understanding the scripture back then. But he has called everybody. So watch this. The homeless guy on the side of the street who's strung out on drugs, he's called him. The homosexual, he's called him. The one who's aborted a child, he's called him. They're not cast down. He loves them. He's called them. He wants relationship with them. The ones who haven't done it all right, he's called them. He's still calling them. He's still calling them. He's still, he hasn't quit. He just hasn't quit. He is, man, he is a never-ceasing God. He's still calling. But once we've answered the call, how do I become chosen? How do I walk in? Chosen is not a haughty position. Chosen is accountable position. It's a humble position. Because that means you're no longer about your business, but you're about your father. Huh. Jesus was brought into the earth, right? Now, he was brought into the earth. He grew up as a child. What did he tell when his mama, he walked away from his mama? Now, my kids do that. They're going to get whipped, okay? But this man walked away from cities. Jesus walked away as a child, like cities away from his parents. Finally, when his mom and dad caught up, he was like, what are you doing? What are you doing? He goes, my bad, about my father's business. I'm not about being your son. I'm about being the son of God. <laughs> Which means I don't get to benefit from the, this position of being your son. I have to benefit from the position of being the son of God. Which means also with this comes that I'm going to have to die on a cross for the sins of many. Can I just say this to you? Understanding that when you've been chosen by God... You're going to have to die to yourself to live in him. Don't chase your own pursuits. Chase his and find out how much greater is his than yours. doesn't mean that God doesn't want you blessed. God wants you blessed. But don't put your blessings as your end all. How am I going to know? He said, he said, those I've chosen and appointed will bear what? Will bear fruit, not bear blessings. Blessings are personal. Fruit feeds others. I'm trying to help you here. We so want to be chosen because we think if we're chosen in position, people will see us. No, if you accept to be chosen, people won't see you. People will see the God that you serve. That's the problem in the earth today right now is that no one's operating in being chosen because we see everything else, but we do not see God the way we should see him anymore. We've eliminated him. We've walked away from him. We don't even demonstrate him. We, we demonstrate him on a Sunday. We call him out on a Sunday. We worship him on a Sunday. But on Monday, we are completely the furthest thing away from what God has purposed us to be. You are a mirror, a reflection of God. Stop being a reflection of you. 
put your wants aside and ask God what he wants for you. We're talking about the king that owns a cattle on a thousand hills. Do you think that the God that you serve doesn't want you blessed? He does. But when you put the blessings and what you do over what he's purposed you to do, you will not understand and walk in the fullness of what he has for you. The blessings of God in my life are because I said yes, even when it sucked. Even when I wanted to throw in the towel. Can I tell you this? Do you want to know why I have Tiffany as a wife? Because I told God yes. She is the exact blessing of me answering the call and saying, yes, I'll be chosen by you. Because had I not answered the chosen part, I would never have moved to Louisiana. I'd have stayed living in Tampa. I'd have never walked into that salon. I'd have never seen her face to face and went, there ain't no way, but I'm going to pray her in. Amen. Even though my cousin was like, I don't know how you pulled that off. God loves me. Amen. I don't know, but, but I would have never. You, we, we, this, this would have. What? Pastor Ben would have never been. Pastor Kay would have been here. Pastor Dylan wouldn't have been here having a baby. None of this would have happened. Do you understand what I'm trying to show you? When one decision is made, says, yes, I'll answer the chosen, it affects everything. Everything. Where would, think about this for a second. I think about this all the time. Where would you be if I didn't decide to pastor the church? That's not saying I got you into the things of God. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying, where would your life be right now? Where, where, what church would you be at? Would you be in church at all? Would somebody have ever invited you to this place? Okay, I'll use the Levis family for just a second. Move here from Texas. You find us. You come in the door, and immediately you make this place your home. But had I not, like that messes with me all the time. Had I not chosen her, had I not accepted the fact that he gave me her, I'd have no Judah, hope, love, and Asher. Although I was okay with Judah and hope, and then God gave us love and Asher. He said, no, you got more. The guy who was homeless, who thought he'd never be a good, who thought he'd never be a good dad because he never saw how to be a good dad. Who thought he had no value, had no worth in the earth. Who thought, I've hurt so many people, how could anybody ever forgive me? To being homeless. To, like, I am not the epitome of what you want your daughter to marry. But God still called and chose me. This is not to gain brownie points with my wife, but do you understand how honored I am? To be the husband of Tiffany and to be the father of my four beautiful kids. Do you know how honored I am to be called your pastor? I'm not supposed to be here. Most of you aren't supposed to be here. Most of you were supposed to walk away from God, not walk to God. But even in your moments, God chose you. I rejoice in the fact that he chose me and chose you so that we could fit together. But we had to say yes. I don't want to just live my life being called and walk in relationship with him. Although that's a great place. 
Because I think the more I've gotten in relationship with him, the more I desire to do and become. And so I lean in a little bit harder to him and say, God, what is it you have for me? I'm not asking you so that I can be seen. I'm asking you so that we can affect change in the earth so that we can see the lost come to Christ. God, what is it you want from me? And God, sometimes I understand that when you've, when you've purposed me or you choose me to do something, it's going to take me out of my, my abilities. I'm not going to be able to do it in my own right. And it's probably going to make me a little uncomfortable. But if I just keep leaning in a little bit further, you're going to help me and lead me and guide me. And I know you've put on the garment. You've clothed me with the garment so that I might enter the feast. But I don't want to just sit in the room and eat the hors d'oeuvres. I want to be a part of something. I want to be a part of the family. I want to step in further than I've ever seen. So, God, what do I need to do? God, God, just, Brian, just lean in. I'll give it to you. I'll give you a heart for things. God, I hate when these things happen. Brian, that's the heart I gave to you. Somebody asked me a couple years ago, I said, Brian, why did you get into ministry? And I said, honestly, and that's going to sound crazy. I said, I got into ministry to fix what preachers have broken. I got into ministry to heal what the church destroyed. Because I grew up in the era where it was about the pastor. And I watched people fall. Bad. I know people today that still won't even talk about God because they got hurt in church. And God said, Brian, I've assigned you. I've appointed you. I've chosen you to take on the mantle of bringing healing to those who have been afflicted by the church so that they might understand it's not about the brick and mortar, it's about the relationship with me. So that's why I'm always trying to push you to go further with God than you do with the church or further with God than you do with me. Go with God. Do what God tells you. Go for it. Run after it. I might tell you what I think in moments, but that doesn't mean I'm God. I'm just giving you my point. But that doesn't mean I have, I'm not, listen, I am not God. Sometimes I'll tell people like, hey, if, if I'm off, just tell me. I can accept it. God's chosen you. But you just got to say yes. And be willing to lay down whatever he asks for in order to walk in it. You're called by God. You can't get away from it. You're called by God. You're called to a right relationship with him. But I need you to know that you're bigger than just being called. You're bigger than just a church attender. You're bigger than just a relationship moment with him. You have been chosen. You've been appointed for such a time as this to do great things for the kingdom of God. But you've got to lean into God and find out what that is. Pastor, tell me what I need to do. I can't. I'm not God. Ryan, uh, Ryan went to ministry school and, and some things happened there and he walked through some struggles and some turmoil there. And he came out. And I, one of the things I told him when we were talking, I said, don't let this pull you out of ministry. I did. I said that. I was very honest. I said, don't let it pull. But when I found out that you had chosen to go into the military, God kind of just said to me, I'm just going to be honest with you. God said something to me in my bathroom. I don't know why he always talks to me in the bathroom. Is it weird? He likes to talk to me in the bathroom. And he said, he said, Brian, he said, Ryan sought me. And I sh I'm showing him how I'm going to use him with ministry in the military. I walked him through that to strengthen him so that I could use him here to affect change. So when I found out you were going to the military, 
Of course, I was like, man, you went to ministry school. Go to do ministry, right? Because that's just me. I'm a preacher, right? I, I get it. That. But then I just, it hit me. It was like, but he is. Because the chosen doesn't mean you stand at a pulpit. The chosen means whatever you want me to do, God, wherever you lead, I'll go. Wherever you send me, I'll say yes. Listen, the next time you see somebody in a Walmart, God tells you to pray for them. Remember that you're chosen. Because he spoke into your ear, he called you by name and said, hey, Brian, go pray for that person. Because I've chosen you to pray for him. Here's the crazy part in this. I'll give you a sidebar for next week. The moment you step into the chosen, he'll give you the anointing to fulfill it. Next week, we're going to go from called to chosen to understanding that we're anointed to fulfill his purpose. Everybody stand to your feet. You know what's crazy is I wrote this sermon. I couldn't write. You ever had that? Have you ever tried to write something? You're like, why won't it work? And God says, you can't write this. This has got to be in you. Because being chosen is not a sermon. It is a lifestyle. Discuss that with me. So that's what I've done today. And I hope that you've received it. I hope you understand it. You are called. Walk in relationship. Don't walk in church. Walk in relationship. Church would be a lot better to you if you walked in right relationship. But then understand that God calls you for a purpose. God didn't just call you just so y'all can hang out. He calls you so he can use you. He's got a purpose for you. You're his vessel filled with his anointing. Let him use you. Not used and abused, used for his purpose. Most people are looking for purpose in the earth. You got a purpose. God called you. He's chosen you. Just say, here I am. I'll go. Here's what I want to do before we get into this closing part of the sermon this morning. If you're in this room, I'm not going to ask you for heads bowed and eyes closed. I don't know why we do that as a church. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Well, we don't want to offend anybody. We don't make people feel uncomfortable. You should be uncomfortable in your sin. So if you're in this room, you got sin in your life, and you want to get rid of it, just say, hey, Pastor, that's me. I want to get rid of my sin. Anybody? Good. Good. Praise God. Anybody else? Some of y'all question it. You're like, I'm not sure. If you're questioning it, put your hand up. You probably got some. Got some stuff. I got some junk. I don't like it. I got to get rid of this stuff. Sometimes it's hard to do this. Come on, keep the hand up. Don't put it down. See, you're getting, lit. You're getting slight on me all of a sudden. I don't want anybody to see me. You need, nobody cares. Because we're all sinners saved by grace. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Everyone in this room. There is nobody in this room that has not sinned. And if you think you have, you need to get your life right with God. Because you got pride. Okay, so put your hand up, Pastor. I got some sin. I want to get rid of it. Come on, put it up. Wave it. Hey, that's me. I got some sin. I got some junk. I got some junk. Come on, wave it at me for a second. Wait, I got some junk. You've been carrying it this long. Be proud of it for at least another few seconds because I'm about to take it away from you. Okay. Put your other hand next to it. We've gone from sinner to surrender. Just say this. Say, God. Today, I relinquish my sinful ways. I know it's sin. But today, I choose to lay it down. No longer will this sin have control over my life. I am done with condemnation. I am done 
of wondering. No more deserts. I'm about to walk into the land flowing with milk and honey. The promised land. Today, I am free from my sin. Chance Anybody else want to wave at me and tell me they got sin? See, here's the thing. The moment you pray that prayer, you're like, oh, no, no, I don't know. I'm not going back to that stuff. That's the difference. The difference is, is when you finally lay it down, you have no desire to go back to it. I'm done with it. The only reason that you have a desire to go back to it is because you never relinquished it. You put it in your pocket, and you're like, Pastor said, put it away. I'm going to put it in my pocket. I'll pick it out later. No, I mean, leave it. Be done with it. Okay. Got past the sin because we got to deal with that first, right? We got to deal with that because now, now we're all walking in that space. We've laid down sin. Okay, put both hands back up. Come on, we got to do this. I, I'm going to do this with you, Pastor. I don't want to lift my hands. Suck it up. It's fun. Say this. Say, God, I am called by you. Woo! That right there gets me pumped. Say it again. Say, Hey, God. No, talk like, no, don't get all churchy on me. Say, hey, God, God. I'm, called I'm called by you. By you. Feel the love of God right now? Because I do. The moment I declare that, I feel the love of God just come over me. Oh, I'm just, he loves me. And I love him. This is awesome. Okay, you're called. Here you go, step two. You ready? Put your hands back up. Put your hands up. Some of y'all defile. Right? You're, 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 you're being disobedient. Don't do it. Hands back up. Say, hey, God. I'm not only called, but I'm chosen. And I say yes.